Hello, and welcome to the very first ever episode of Simply United. This is the very first time for me doing anything like this. I came up with the idea basically because, as a United fan, I found that on... Uh, I only use Spotify, really, but on them kind of platforms for a podcast, there wasn't anything. United Stand was on there, uh, Manchester is Red, them kind of things. But on the whole, I couldn't really find anything that satisfied my Manchester United urge. So I was always searching for things to listen to. It ultimately ended up listening to um, like Football Ramble and things like that. But they covered, obviously, the, the Premier League as a whole, a wide spectrum of clubs. Um, and so I, I thought, do it myself, why not? Um, so here we are. So this is just basically a Manchester United dedicated podcast. Um, well, obviously, like I said in the uh, the trailer, we're going to be talking basically everything. Uh, pre-season is obviously finished now. Walking forward towards Leeds on the uh, August 14th. On the Saturday. I'm actually recording this on the week of that game. Um, yeah, I'm leaving it really late. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to go through the pre-season and we're going to look what we're looking forward to here. I mean, the Varane and Sancho saga there um, it's I, I don't think Brad's going to be playing now but um, Sancho looks like he could get some game time but we'll get to that uh, later on in the episode but as it is let's go um, so pre-season we're actually getting a pre-season this year um, even after the Euros great result after the Euros but I don't know what you, you lot think you guys think but as soon as that uh, Saka penalty was saved and we knew that the final was done. I was done. Like, I, I literally turned the telly off. Oh, well, three weeks' time, four weeks' time, Premier League's back. And we want to get straight back into United. We want to see how United are going to do. Uh, you know, we're getting closer. Um, there's all the ins, all the outs. It's been like that ever since he came in. But I guess it's like that anyway. Uh, it just, it, you know, United just get treated a bit differently, don't they? Uh, even their own fan base. Just, uh, you know... One bad result. It, this preseason, for example, when they put the the, uh, the team lineup for the QPR game, even the derby game, those United fans going all out. You can't play. You can't play a squad like that. What do you mean you can't play a squad like that? We haven't got anyone to play. There's there's no one to play. They're all youth. Like we've. What do you want me to do? Bring Maguire off holiday. Luke Shaw off holiday. I mean, they've just been playing the Euros till the last possible date you know they need some time off it's ridiculous and I, I think some fans don't actually read up on their own team you know like with these announcements with Sancho and uh, Varane you go on Man United's Twitter every day and they'll say oh yeah we've released a new uh, away shirt and they'll be like announce Sancho announce Sancho it's like if you've been following the news you'll realise actually there's been a delay because he's on holiday or with Varane, there's been a delay because he hasn't got a, a permit. But they're still just abusing the uh, Man United t- <laughs> media, uh, Twitter and that. It's, it's, it's mental. Um, so, yeah, all out straight away. Pre-season game one. Ridiculous. But we went anyway. So we got into that game. Played uh, Derby. 1-2-1. Uh, Chong and Polistri scoring for United. Very good goal from uh, Polistri. I think I actually like Chong's goal as well because he was very tenacious. He was like a little like terrier, and he just up until the goal, he was really harassing the back line, 
and uh, getting right stuck in and leaving him no time on the ball at all, like no air, no time to breathe. And uh, that's what ultimately led to his goal. You know, caught a defender short, took the ball off him, got through on goal, hit the goalkeeper in the chest, got a fortunate rebound, came straight back to him and he sorted it in. Great goal. Now, when his name was actually on the team sheet, I did question why, because I already knew that he was going to uh, Birmingham City. Like, that was a long deal that was arranged really early in uh, the transfer window. I thought, well, what, you know, why are they going to play him? But it makes sense because if he's already got a team lined up, then they need him fit as well. It's not just like we're being, for selfish reasons, like Birmingham City need Chong to be in, um, you know, fine form for the for the season ahead. And Belicia's goal was brilliant. Uh, you know, he, he, uh, great ball. I think it was Shoratiri played a ball through to him. He took the ball. First touch was brilliant. Took it to, to the side of the keeper, round him, and just slid it on. And that was that was it. Two one United. Um, and when Belicia assigned around the same time as Diallo, but Diallo had the permit issues, and I actually was more. I've always been more excited to see uh, Facundo Belicia than Ahmad Diallo. And it, not not for any particular reason, because I, I didn't know who either of them were. It's just that it intrigued me more that Polistri was, um, he turned up at the club immediately, whereas Ahmad had to wait six months to get the, the permit, and then he arrived in January, I think. Um, but I think it was just like, he was like an Argentinian winger, and you automatically think, Messi. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be on any level of Messi, but it's quite... Uh, it gets you thinking, doesn't it? You know, and and the way he took that goal, I mean, brilliant, he was brilliant. Um, but then, but then, yeah, that was two one, and then we went on to QPR. And the thing is, like these games are just, you, you, if anyone reads into preseason, uh, too much, you know, you're gonna set yourself up for a bit of a fall with the league because, you know, we played a, a team against United, uh, Derby, and QPR. Which you'd probably never see again, you know. So, you know, a four-two defeat to QPR. Now QPR are probably one of the strongest sides in the in the championship, um, and they were playing. I'm not going to say a four-seven squad because I don't think it was. I think it was, but it wasn't far off. It was a it was a strong side on their behalf, and we were playing again, a very depleted side, um, and yeah, I mean, they got, they, they, they we're, we're at QPR's home turf, and they, they basically ripped us apart. Um, but Lingard putting us one up early doors, um, great goal. And and back to Lingard again. All he didn't score in the the Derby game, the shot that he hit from that uh, left hand side, the crossbar against Derby, bloody brilliant. I mean, I don't think it looks like he's going out on uh, this transfer window. So I would like to see him like feature. It's going to be hard because. He's probably only going to feature while Rashford's out. Because Martial, although he's been carrying injuries, he's going to be coming back into the squad. Um, whether that's up front, I don't know. It'd be perfect for him to fill in on the left-hand side now that Rashford's out. Um, obviously, Cavani's going to miss the first game because he's been given extended leave for personal reasons. Um, so as a striker up front, it might have to be Martial. Um, so then Lingard could go left for the time being. Um, but other than that, I, I think he might struggle to get game time, especially now we've got Sancho in, because Sancho is a dedicated right winger now. So then that's like, where's, where's, where's Greenwood going? 
but he was brilliant. He was brilliant in uh, the derby game. He was brilliant in the QPR game. I know we went, uh, we lost the game four two, but Lingard, great first goal. I thought it was just going to be like we scored so early. I thought that could have been anything. We could have gone two three up. I, I thought it was just going to be a, uh, the dam would be busted sort of thing. Uh, wasn't to be, but then the Langer's goal was great. He, he had no space whatsoever. We just unleashed a shot, bottom left corner. It was brilliant. Um, and then on to the Brentford game. I was actually present at that game. I managed to get myself a ticket. Got myself down there. It was great. It was like, I think there was, was 35,000 people, I think they were saying. Um, but it was great. I drove down there straight after work. And it was actually, it was all right. Straight down there. I got down an hour and a half uh, from up Cumbria way. Um, but, I mean, what a game. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Brentford actually beat Arsenal. Um, on Friday night, because they, I mean, I, to be fair, I'm not that clued up on their squad, but they turned up, and I know that like again, there's a few other players that were actually, that were more present this time. Obviously, we had uh, Van der Beek had actually made an appearance in this game, and then uh, towards the end of the game, we brought on like Hannibal, and we sort of switched it up a bit in that regard, but. Brentford roll over was in, in in certain parts of that game. It was a really end-to-end game. And I thought, this is brilliant. Obviously, being there live, 35,000 people, what an atmosphere. Um, and they got, like, there was all, I think all four goals were good. Well, three were phenomenal, but all four goals were good. But I felt Brentford's second goal shouldn't have happened. Because if Dallow had cleared the ball, rather than let it sort of like, I don't know, like go through his transparent body. Then uh, it, it wouldn't have happened. It'd have been it'd have been two one United, but Elanga's first goal unbelievable. He's like he's basically falling backwards and he's hit a volley in the bottom corner, which is phenomenal. Um, I mean f- from where I was watching it, which was um, I was in the Sir Alex Ferguson stand, and I was towards I was like two stands over from the halfway line, um, or sections over I should say sorry, um, and. It looked like he'd done like a, a jump, like a scissor volley. So it looked even better live. Um, and then obviously I watched it and what some techniques to score that. Brilliant. I actually hope, I mean, it always even say himself, Alanga's proved himself so good pre-season that you might have to keep him. Like, he's not going to put him on loan because Alanga is like giving him uh, thoughts, you know. Is he worth keeping around? Is he going to make something of himself this year? And I think he's been brilliant. Um, obviously, he got promoted to the first team last year. Um, I, I felt a bit sorry for the guys that got promoted last year. Like, sure, to you, Alanga, obviously, Ahmad Diallo came in. Um, and they got, they got, it felt like they got promoted, but then not really for any reason. You know, Ahmad came on, scored against Milan. Um, and I don't think Shoratiri scored. Alanga scored. They just came on for like 10 minutes at the end of certain games. And I just thought, well, why, why did you bother doing that in the first place? Um, I know, I know, I know getting a promotion to the first team is a massive achievement on the personal behalf. And oh, commend them. Brilliant. They've got such a bright future ahead of them. But in terms of where that happened in the league, I didn't really see the point. Because Oli promoted them, but then kept the same team anyway. Um, but anyway, back to this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, Baptiste's goal, brilliant. Again, 
totally unexpected. We watched it, it's like right in front of us. And it happened, he just come in, like loose ball, and he just thought, have it. And he went, top corner. <laughs> what, and you know, it looks even more spectacular when you've got a keeper going full sprawl. You know, almost getting a fingertip to it. It looks, it looks really good. And I watched the highlights again when I got home from the game. And that goal is bloody brilliant. But then here comes Pereira. And he thought, right, Baptiste, I'll raise you. And that, co- I mean, where I was, like, say where I was sitting, that was obviously the opposite end then. So I could see the action going on, but I had to look over a few heads. So by the time it actually broke into the box, I'd stood up higher than everyone else. Um, so I, looked, I saw a picture-perfect clear where the Brentford defender headed it out and it just fell to him and he hit it. And, and pfft, I couldn't believe it. I look at it, I had an aisle seat. <laughs> I was in the aisle. That was brilliant. Like, what a strike. I mean, I've, I mean, listen, I'll be the first to say Pereira should go. Pereira should be sold. But, you know, whilst he's here, what a goal. Just enjoy it. I mean, what a strike. You just instantly, you immediately think Paul's goal is Aston Villa. You know, he was that kind of strike. And the dramatic, you know, he hit it so hard. Off the bar, off the, like, the line, in the net, in the roof of the net. Brilliant. And uh, after that game, I came straight home. Watched the, uh, post-match uh, interviews with Ollie and that and then by the MUTV had just put the highlights up so give the highlights a watch and watching it from them camera angles TV angles wow uh, and then unfortunately after that the pressing game got suspended because there was a potential COVID outbreak uh, I think it was first team staff and players up to uh, up to nine of them I think and uh, anyway it was a false alarm in the end so it's a bit strange, really, because they'd um, categorically cancelled the game about two days before, but then within twenty four hours they said, "Oh, actually, false alarm." And there was the were there were talks online where it was, "Well, why didn't you just leave it that extra day and um, see what the results were before coming out and saying, actually, I think we've got a COVID outbreak." Well, you could have just said, "Right, we'll do this internally." without the media or fans knowing. Especially people that have already bought tickets because I, I follow a few uh, folk online that organise coaches and they have coaches already paid for or in advance. Full coaches, multiple coaches, double-decker coaches. Um, and it's, you know... Uh, so unfortunately for them, they had to have a, a rethink and try and get refunds and whatever. A bit of an headache. But uh, yeah, I mean, a bit, bit daft, but unfortunately, it's what it is. Um, and then on to the uh, United Everton game. I didn't actually, I saw bits of it because I was at a meal, but I was trying to watch it at the table on the quiet. Um, I saw, I missed Fernandez's free kick, um, but I saw Maguire's header, which is brilliant. Uh, obviously, I saw, yes, I saw the first two goals. I saw Greenwood and Maguire. Uh, Greenwood got a bit of fortune, good fortune. But again, it's a bit like Chong. You know, you, you keep up that persistent pressure. Look what's happened. You've been handed two goals in pre-season through pressure. And Greenwood's just... I've got all the faith in the world in Greenwood. And I just think that that man's never going to miss that. He's in my fantasy football team already. Like, the kid's unbelievable. You, you can't believe that he's only 19. He, he plays far beyond his years. 
And then Maguire, now Maguire, uh, it, it, last season, gets his head to plenty of chances during corners. But what's frustrating watching Maguire is that he gets his head to the ball, but it's like he cushions it. It's almost like he's at the other end of the pitch and he's cushioning it to his own keeper. You know, he doesn't fire it in. He doesn't attack it. And you think, oh, he gets it there. You go, go on, Maguire. Oh, it's just... He just passed it to the keeper, basically. Uh, but then as soon as he puts the England straight on, bloody hell, yeah, give me a header. No worries, mate. Scores goals. So see him score a header, and especially that kind of header, because it wasn't like a fleet. He didn't come off his shoulder. It wasn't a scuff. He hit that clean. He hit it perfect, and it went into the complete opposite corner. You even got Pickford going full sprawl. I think Pickford had a bit of a nightmare, really, but still, you've got him going full sprawl. That header looks brilliant, and it what a goal. So we're hoping that he can carry that on. He can start to bring a bit more of that into the uh, into the league. Especially now that we've got him a pretty perfect partner in Varane and they've got this uh, Eric Ramsey from Chelsea, the uh, set-piece coach. Um, I know that it's more probably do, to do with defensively because we conceded 18 goals from uh, set-piece last year. But if we can get our defenders scoring headers, um, we're on to a winner there because they are the kind of vital goals that yeah they might only get five six a season but they're the kind of goals that you want to help uh, propel you on as the season goes it's a long it's a long season and every goal counts especially as United fans know having lost the league on goal difference themselves um, but then yeah the Fernandez free kick I missed that I was at the toilet in the pub at the time um, but I watched it back brilliant free kick I've actually watched it from the fan stand angles and that's so good especially because having fans backing after so long seeing their reaction diving around and singing you know Bruno Fernandes he's been at the club uh, what 18 months or more now and he's playing in front of fans like four times or something daft it's something stupid like that Um, so for him and in that time he's built like a legacy already so now that the fans are going to return against Leeds full capacity, you know they've already, they've already got songs about him. They've already they're already singing his name. They've already got his name on banners. They've already got memorabilia for him. He's already not, he's not a legend. I'm not saying it like that because you've got to earn that status. But he's certainly got the makings of something at United, and the fans have taken to him so much in that 18 months that I, I don't know if he's prepared for a full capacity at Old Trafford um, and then yeah the, the Dallow goal was uh, good improvisation really like, I, I've always like, I don't know enough about Dallow like obviously apparently he had a really good season at uh, Milan to the point where they wouldn't they'd like him back um, on a, another loan and that's where we were considering getting trippier uh, Dalo goes back to Milan we get Trippier's back up or maybe even replaces Wamasaka in the right back slot but he's played a fair bit of pre-season and Ollie seems keen on keeping him uh, it was a good goal I mean like I say Brentford he was at fault for the equaliser but then at this you know he gets to sell a goal in the Everton game so maybe there's something in that maybe he is up to scratch I, I just don't I don't know I just the thing is, I don't want Wan Masaka being. Uh, I don't want Masaka being replaced. 
Because if Trivia come in, the thought would be that Bamazaka would be moved on. Not moved on, as in, like, left the club. But he'd be moved on to uh, the bench, if you will. And I don't think that's right, because I think Bamazaka is brilliant. Brilliant tackler. And I know his attacking output had been criticised over the, the over the past two seasons, but he's getting better at it. And I'd happily sort of sacrifice his attacking output for what the tackles that he makes. He's, he's unbelievable at tackling Bamazaka. Um, probably one of the best tackers I've ever seen. Uh, so I definitely won't be chasing that uh, out the door anytime soon. Uh, but by all accounts, it seems like the uh, the trivia deal's fallen through now, especially with Davos staying. So with the end of uh, pre-season, we'll talk about transfers now. And obviously, the two standout transfers are Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane. Obviously, we brought in Tom Heaton as well, a return to the club on a free and he played quite a bit of pre-season really um, almost to the point where people were talking is he going to be Ollie's like second choice keeper I know that obviously Henderson's had trouble with his hip he had to uh, pull out of the Euro squad for England um, I, I don't know I don't see that happening unless there's a fitness issue for the hero um, Henderson I don't see Heaton being not much of a threat or am I just being a bit naive you know Lee Grant Pooh Bugger he come on for QPR, uh, for QPR against QPR and I've seen it three so you know um, and he just he can sh- just stick to uh, putting numbers up on the board um, but, but I believe he's he's part of the coaching in some capacity now which is obviously brilliant for him but anyway back to the transfers so that we Jane Sancho and Raphael Brand now United have probably been crying out for a proper right winger since United uh, had Ronaldo. You know, Ronaldo was the man. Ronaldo was the right winger. And if you look at Ruud van Nistelrooy for a blueprint for a United striker, you probably look at Ronaldo for the blueprint for a United winger. And you've just never been able to get that since you left. You've tried different people. You know, you've had... Let's not talk about Sanchez, but we've had Sanchez and we've had uh, Di Maria. And you had Valencia filling in there for a bit. Um, just The number seven, just shirt, the shirt curse, has just been ever present. Um, so it's actually nice to see a genuine out-and-out right winger made for the job. Um, and I did a bit of uh, looking up on his stats and stuff. Um, for a start... The actual price of Sancho. Now, considering that Sancho uh, was touted by uh, Dortmund, was it 120 million, something like that, uh, obscene uh, at the time. And United were obviously, all the United fan base were like, game, just go and game, just pay it, he's worth it. You know, we need that in the United squad. And United, obviously, Woodward, you know, were part of that at the time. We're saying, no, 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 we're not willing to pay that. And I think it came down to about 8 million quid that they were shot the evaluation on. And obviously that upset a lot of people. You think, 8 million quid? In, a, in this, you know, in today's market, you, you could probably pull 8 million quid out back at Sofa uh, in, in these modern transfer markets. So it's kind of like, you know, you're hanging over 8 million quid, why don't you just give it? But it turns out they were smarter than we were because the following season... Jane Sancho, 72.6 million quid. And by all, uh, if, if you read what you believe, it's paid over 
five years. So you're basically going for fuck all, <laughs> which is unbelievable. Um, which I mean, the thing is as well is that everyone's applauding the uh, the transfer, and it is an absolute steal when you look at it like that. When you break it down, seventy-two point six million quid paid over five years. It's robbery in it. But Woodward's still around, and Woodward probably had something to do with that. So although he's obviously said he's going to resign, and everyone hates him, turn up at Dallas with flares, and there's the kickoff on the pitch invasion and stuff like that, he probably had something to do with that. So maybe he was half decent at his job after all. I mean, he's still a prick and he needs to leave, like, but he's uh, maybe maybe he had uh, something in his, up his sleeve after all. But then, yeah, I mean, Jane Sancho, so he's arrived. Bit of a delay with all these things. Um, I think obviously the the Euros ending, and then everyone having holidays and breaks and recuperation time. There's been a bit of a delay in the uh, the, the announcements of these players. Um, but I'll just look in. His stats. Uh, I'm not much of a stat man really. I just like to base it on what I can see with my own eyes. But um, I was looking at his stats. He's pretty mad, really. I mean, he's still only a young lad, and it's like Bruce Dortmund, 137 appearances. 50 goals, 64 assists. Uh, he's only been there for you. Uh, Champions League, you know, so looking at United as the squad that they've got now, you know, bringing in Champions League experience is vital. And this lad, Jaden Sancho, he's only, you know, been at Dortmund four years and he's got 21 appearances in the Champions League, five goals, six assists. You know, he's been, what, top scorer 2021 in the, the Pokal Cup. Six goals. German Cup winner, 2021. German Super Cup winner, 1920. Uh, Bundesliga uh, Young Player of the Year, 2019. Best Assist Provider, 18-19 season, 18 goals. Um, two Bundesliga runner-up, two times Bundesliga runner-up. Uh, the 18-19 season, 19-20 season. Um, he's got 22 England caps and three goals. He's played left wing, right wing, attacking mid, centre forward throughout his career. Obviously, that stems into like Manchester City under 18 and things like that. But he's he's incredible. I mean, the guy can play every the guy can play across that front front three, um, everywhere, anywhere you want him, which is obviously good because with United going into this season with maybe a bit of an issue in terms of um, maybe Martial will have to play up front and Rashford's out. Um, so then you, obviously you can have Sancho on the right but maybe if you want to play Greenwood on the right you could put Sancho on the left because Sancho is uh, a sort of skill on the left wing as well um, so he's got a good versatility there um, which makes him a guaranteed starting 11 immediately I mean um, that right wing spot Greenwood just done phenomenal because he's not a right winger he's adapted his game so well to fit into that position um, but that doesn't um, account for a genuine right winger as good as Greenwood is if you bring a genuine right winger that is skilled in that field you're going to put him in straight away I'd like with with Greenwood and Cavani I'd like to think that with Cavani being 33-34 now and he's probably not going to last a full season of full fitness it'd be nice to see Greenwood have a crack at the centre forward role or the striker role this season Um. It may mean that he gets less game time because he'll be rotating with Cavani. But to, to shadow Cavani and to be Cavani's backup, to be Cavani's uh, switching during games and to learn off Cavani and to shadow Cavani, it could progress him massively. He's already, Green was already 
giving kudos to Cavani for helping him uh, learn more about the striking game and advancing his uh, his talent as a striker himself. Um, and I think, obviously, you don't want to stem Greenwood's growth too much. You don't want him playing right wing forever or for until he's 22, 23, something like that, because I think he'll just ultimately stay as a right winger. You'll, people might forget that he's a strike, he's an out-and-out striker, you know. Um, so to see him play as a striker this season would be good. Uh, I feel like we're still probably a bit underpowered in that department. Martial, for me, is just not a striker. Uh, he tried to be a, a striker at number nine last year. And it just didn't work out. Um, he's been at the club five, six years now. And I think he's only hit the 20 goal a season mark once. Obviously, I think he's still got 16 assists, uh, 17 assists, something like that. So, obviously, all in all, it's a brilliant contribution. But for someone who considers himself to be a bit of a striker, I just don't think he's good enough. But that's not to say that he's worthless at United because on the left wing, he does do bits, he does do damage, he can really upset um, back lines, he's really fast, he's good on his feet, he's a good dribbler, uh, the thing I think he lacks is just that killer instinct, like I said at the beginning, I will base any striker that United needs, the blueprint is Finisteroy, he's got to be a killer, he's got to be an Harry Kane basically, and I know that Harry Kane is priced far too high for United. Um, I mean, I don't know if City are going to be able to pull the money out for it. I mean, they've obviously got it. But in terms of like a, a financial fair play um, regulation, can they pull out another 160 million quid to pay for Kane? But Kane would probably fit the mould of what I'm thinking of for United because you need that killer, that guy that's just going to look. He doesn't have to need... Like, Vanessa didn't need pace because what, what he lacked in pace, he made up for in positioning the killer instinct. And he was just the man. Like 150 goals for Man United, and if you watch him, I mean, he's got a couple, he got a couple of penalties, but what striker doesn't? But they're all just absolutely sublime goals. And um, I think so. Yeah, we've got Cavani, who's probably got traits of Nistelrooy, with his running off the back line and his killer instinct and where to be and where best to be placed. But you know, uh, and Green was a bit. Yeah, obviously less experienced than that, but he's a bit more athletic and fast and better on his toes. But obviously, like I say, Cavani's at the, the end of his career, really. So he's probably only going to do this season and move on. So we, we need to look to uh, strengthen that area, certainly, next season. But then there's always this talk about Haaland, his contract uh, release clause next season. It'll come into effect, so that's 75 million or 70 million something like that so there'll be clubs left right and centre trying to snap him up PSG will probably end up chucking everything at him they'll probably offer him the Eiffel Tower or something as a bit of a sign on bonus Um, and then but they reckon on because of the ties with Oli from Mulder and the fact that they both share the same nationality that there could be more to it so he could end up being a United player but well, let's not look that far ahead. We'll just focus on the here and now. So, onto our next marquee signing, you got Rafael Varane. Now, this is a defender that United have been crying out for. Again, if you look at a blueprint for a United player, you're going to look at, it, especially in the modern era, you're going to be looking at Ferdinand and Vidic immediately because them two were just unbelievable. I was the biggest Vidic fan when I was a young'un. I just... Oh, what a man. He just chucked everything at it, didn't he? You know, 
you, you think sometimes, oh, go on, put a boot on it. Don't put a boot on it, put his head on it. Head on it, you know. And uh, But that's the kind of player that United need. They need the, they need a, a, a Steve Bruce, you know, a Pallister, uh, a Ferdinand and a Vidic. The kind of players that you've got no doubts about. You've got, you're not second-guessing them. You, you know, you see their name on the team sheet and you think, right, Sam. You, you, just, you look at it and you just go straight past it. You don't look back and go, oh, God, what's he there for? Sometimes you look at the team sheet and you think, right, brilliant. Um, Dan James, for example, you know, good player. He's got his attributes, he's fast, He's uh, he can really upset defences, especially in the back end of a game where there's a bit of fatigue setting in. Dan James could be an absolute nightmare, but he's not the sort of like, killer winger that you look at on the team sheet. Like Nanny, for example, Nanny was brilliant. You see Nanny on the wing, wing and you think, yeah, sound. Like, Nanny on one wing, Ronaldo on the left wing, uh, right wing. And then, you know, or even Valencia. I liked Valencia on the right wing. He's, I thought his crossing accuracy was brilliant. So, But Dan James doesn't really do that for you. So, signing someone like Varane and seeing his name on the team sheet, he'll be, I, I think he'll be a starting 11 player immediately, same as Sancho. I just think Lindelof isn't the partner for Maguire. And I know they can probably both make each other look as bad as each other. But I think Lindelof is the um, like the least talented player of the two. So I think I'd immediately stick Maguire uh, in my first team and Varane as, he, as his partner. And I, and I think it could be the Ferdinand and Vidic reincarnate. I think that could be the the signing that makes that back line a solid chain link fence. And when you look at the stats again, it's 34.2 million quid, 8.5 million in add-ons. It's a steal. You know what I mean? It's not even 50 million quid. You know, and I mean, people have been calling him, compared to Ben White, Ben White, you know, to, to Arsenal, 50 million quid. Um, does seem probably a bit of bad business in some regards. I mean, he was pivotal to Leeds' promotion charge uh, to the Premier League. He, he was on loan from Brighton and he played a lot of game time for Leeds. And to the point where they wanted to sign him when they were promoted to maintain him in the team. Ultimately, Brighton priced him out of the move. But he, uh, he, you know, his talent's clearly there. So when you think about someone like Ben White that's never won anything, being paid for uh, 50 million to Arsenal, then you look at Raphael Varane, 34.2 million plus 8.5 million add-ons, and that man has got a 19 trophy haul. It's a steal, absolute steal. And I don't know if that's paid off for over years, the same with the Sancho deal, but if that is paid off like the Sancho deal, then we've just robbed him. Um, Madrid have just been mugged in broad daylight. But again, let's look at him. He got appearances from Real Madrid. Now, he was signed in 2011, I think. I know that Fergie wanted to sign him. If you don't know the tale of it, if you uh, read or listen to the um, leading uh, book of um, Alex Ferguson's, he explains that in 2011, he was wanting to buy Rafael Varane to the point where he jumped a train and he shot across uh, Europe to try and to try and get a signature uh, and Zidane got wind of uh, Varane and probably Fergie and um, quickly shuffled him on to Mourinho uh, Madrid 
Uh, so we've missed out on him a decade ago, which is incredible, really. But in that time that we've not had him, he's had 360 appearances for Madrid, 17 goals, 7 assists. He's uh, been capped by France 39 times, 5 goals. And then you, this is when you look at his trophy all. He's, he's won a World Cup, 2018 World Cup. He's featured in two World Cups. He's a four-times Champions League winner, um, a three-times Spanish champion, a one-time Spanish Cup winner, a three-times Spanish Cup uh, Super Cup champion, a four-times FIFA Club World Cup winner, and a three-times UEFA Super Cup winner. 19 trophies, which is outstanding for for 28 years old. When you look at Oli, and you you know you think about Oli as being in the 99 squad. Um, and how like trophy laden that era was. Solskjaer won fourteen trophies, it, it, and you you could probably look at him and think, well, I thought he'd have won more than that, but he won fourteen trophies, and Varane's already won nineteen trophies. So that mentality coming to the dressing room, you know, you've got. Uh, I I think Maguire has got that level in him, as same as Varane. He's just not, unfortunately, he's just not got the CV. With the silverware on it to back it up, whereas Varane has, has got that CV, and he's got that mentality. He's got that. He's basically spent ten years at Madrid winning, so he's not used to anything else. He's either been in the hunt for the La Liga, or if it's not him, it's Barca. Apart from oh, maybe Atletico once every now and again, but majority of the time he he goes into each season thinking, all right, we're gonna win the league, or if he's not winning the league, he's winning the. Like I said, Spanish Cup, Spanish Super Cup, FIFA Cup World Cup, Super Cup, Champions League. He's, he's, he's just winning everything. Every season, he's winning something. You know, if, if you're lucky, you're back here now, the years that he's won stuff. 13, 14 season, 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18, 11, 12, uh, 16, 17, 19, 20, 13, 14, 12, 13, uh, 14, 16, 17, 18. He's, just, he's, he's won multiples every year. So coming into United, we're four years without a trophy. Um, so he, he's going to be wanting an immediate trophy because that's just who he is. Not because he's a he's up himself, but he, that's his mentality. He wants to win. He wants to win things, um, and that's good because that will add, that will bring that on into the dressing room. If you've got a partnership. Of Maguire and Varane, and they're both dominant characters, and they're both empowering and quite, you know, big, commanding people, especially in the dressing room. And they're saying to you, especially one of them that's got this like 19 trophies, like Varane, cheering you up and saying, This is our game, we're going to win this. I mean, you, you can't help but be inspired. You're going to be like, Yeah, I mean, I'll follow these guys to, in, in a battle no matter what. And that's what we need. And I think Luke Shaw's obviously reinvented himself, and he's a phenomenal player. Um, what a season he had last season and Juan Masaka like I said earlier I would stick with him no matter what I think his tackling is phenomenal how he pulls off some of the tackles he does it's a joy to watch um, so I think the back line is brilliant um, and I just think that having that, that solid back line like Fergie said the core that gets banded around is that you know defences win your titles basically and we shipped 18 goals from set pieces last season. It's quite a lot of goals, really. When you consider it's from set pieces. You know, like a loose corner, or, you know, just a little bit of a free kick or something like that. Um, 
so having two absolute solid defenders at the back to solve that because Lindelof despite the fact that he's been there a few years obviously he's an international player himself and he is of an elite quality I can't help but think of the semi-final against uh, Sevilla Sevilla um, a couple of seasons ago under Oli where we were what 10 minutes 8 minutes away from maybe even less going through to the final and they whipped a crossing from the right hand side and he just decided not to jump and edit if he'd have stuck a nut on it we're in the final didn't do out it free header attacker was behind him back post cheers mate and I just thought why didn't you jump for that Um. And ever since then, I've just had it in for him, just watching out for his little mistakes and frailties and stuff. And it's not right, is it? It's not fair on him, but that's just what you like as a fan. You you, you find a reason to sort of pick on a player, and you do. Um, and that, that was the case. So um, I think having Varane in there, and the other thing as well, is you've got Varane, Maguire, both good at heading. So you're going to think that they're going to get goals as well. So it's almost like we're adding our own Van Dyke to our squad and I'm hoping that the impact he has is similar to that because Van Dyke rocking up at Liverpool did change the complexion of that team completely so bringing the attitude the mentality he's been in cup finals he's been in cup semi-finals he knows what it's like to win he knows what it's like to lose and being in those situations like we're against Villarreal in that Europa League final maybe it gets to half time maybe he's the guy that's got the key that unlocks things He's like, I've been here before. We can still win this game. Don't drop your heads. It's, you know, it's it's simpler than you think. And maybe that's the guy. I mean, I don't think he should be captain because obviously Maguire's captain. It'd be strange for him to come in and be like, right, I've I've won everything, so give me the band. But having that voice to partner the captain, a vice captain role, phenomenal. So I I really think that the two times that we've made this year have been very deadly. Now it's not talk the talk that the signings aren't even over yet there's still talk of us going for others um, obviously this Camavinga has been floated around I don't know anything about Camavinga he only fought it up into my attention since he was linked with us uh, obviously Trippier that seems to have fallen through now that Dalot's staying um, there's been a few things obviously people keep saying that you know United should go out for Kane but Kane's not going to go for anything less than 100 plus million I'm not even going to put a number on that it's going to be ridiculous so I wouldn't say that's happening uh, but other transfers that we've done obviously Tom Heaton in on a free Chog's now completed his loan to Birmingham City uh, Twan has gone out to Aston Villa Policia's gone out yet again to Alaves now I was hoping that he would stay because I actually like to say I quite like um, what he could bring to the team but again Jungen it's, he's probably done the right thing I think he actually requested that loan move as well which is brilliant um, Joel Pereira he's gone out on a free uh, and Romero's contract has expired and he's been without a club which is unfortunate because he's a brilliant player and I just think he's been treated so badly um, unfortunately and I think I think he's supposed to go to Granada and I think even that's fallen through now unfortunately so where that leaves him I'm not sure but I wish him all the best um, and the only other piece of it is Eric Ramsey. So we got him from Chelsea, set-piece coach, and uh, he's been brought in to add um, a bit more to our defensive capabilities and probably attacking capabilities from set-pieces. 
like I said, we conceded 18 goals from Mercy Pieces last season, and that's a bit of a shambles, really, and that can lead us to well, we had 11 draws. So, you think about like uh, the last goal that we conceded against uh, Everton, and just things like the nil-nils that we had as well. They could have probably been turned around with a good set piece. So maybe this is a, as much of an important sign as uh, Sancho and Varane. Um, and by all accounts, he's already made the impression. He's got like a shepherd's whistle, apparently. And all the players like react to it like sheep. And it's so sharp and precise that it, hasn't, like, it has like a commanding effect. And the players really respect it already. A bit bizarre, but if it works, then uh, we'll take that. But if you want to check up on this Aaron Ramsey, uh, Eric Ramsey, there is, um, uh, if you go on YouTube and type in the coach's voice and, and his name, you will find one of his coaching sessions. It's an hour and a half video, but it's him running a full coaching session. And it's actually brilliant. Like You get a full um, perspective of who he is, uh, what he's like, and what you can expect. And th- this is a couple of years ago as well, so it's not like just as he moved to United, he's made this. This was in pre-United, so you can get a good... Um, look at his his principles really and that like I say that could be as important as Varane and uh, Sancho um, so looking ahead to the Leeds game um, first game opening game big game full capacity crowd at Old Trafford and when they were doing the fixture draw I was actually thinking I'd love a big like a, a proper team uh, you know like a couple of seasons ago we got Chelsea and then we thrashed them 4-0 and that was brilliant that, that free kick from Rashford just sealed it and um, and then last season we got Crystal Palace got beat 3-2 and it's just a bit of a that's not good is it if you're going to lose 3-2 at least lose 3-2 against like Chelsea I'm not going to say City but you know Chelsea is something like that you know you, you don't want to lose 3-2 to Crystal Palace um, so anyway we drew Leeds and, and it's at home which is brilliant um, and obviously last season thrashed them 6-2 at Old Trafford and then we went to Elton Road and it was just a bit of a damp one 0-0 um, but this season we've got two new signs I think Sancho will feature I think always even confirmed he will feature whether he'll start I don't know and then Varane very up in the air quarantine uh, not officially been unveiled or anything like that so he probably won't appear um, and I, I expect the team to put, that plays Leeds is probably the same that Played Everton, maybe one or two different. Obviously, Rashford's out with an injury. Cavani's out because he's been given extended leave. Henderson, I'm not sure on his injury from the Euros. Martial was carrying an injury where he has been training, so I'm assuming he's fit because he played against Everton. Uh, Sancho again, he may be benched, but I, I think there's a belief that he's going to play, so we'll see. Um, so it's probably going to, I don't know, my, my starting eleven is probably like um, De Gea, Wambasaka, uh, Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw. Probably Matic, because Matic has played a lot of pre-season. And I sort of think, why, I mean, you could say it's down to the fact they were ill-equipped with players. But Matic has played a lot of um, pre-season. So, stick him in. And then maybe Pogba, Greenwood. Uh, Fernandez. Now, I would have said Lingard, but he's now had COVID. Um, so he's probably written out of it. So you're probably just going to go with like Dan James or something like that, just because he's a, he's a, just a straight in Marshall up front. Um, 
Yeah, or maybe Van der Beek. You could play maybe play Van der Beek on the left because Van der Beek's played a, a couple of games pre-season, um, and he's actually up pretty. He's actually up good, and I I really hope this is the season he gets given a chance because he's he's not. He wasn't given any last season. No matter which way you look at it, none of the minutes that he was given were of any significant to give him a chance. So um, I'd like it to be this season that he's actually he's chucked into the fray and given a chance Mick Fred I just think that can fucking do one I've had enough of that um, but they're looking at Leeds' pre-season form they played seven games I think uh, they won one drew lost 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 and drew to be fair to them they were playing uh, good opposition they were playing Ajax uh, I think it was uh, was it Real Sociedad something like that they were, they were playing good uh, good opposition so onto the score predictions, I just think, probably being optimistic, being a United fan, but I just think we're going to come into this season, obviously we started slow last season, losing 3-2, struggling against Brighton the following uh, game, and having to have the game restarted after extra time, uh, full time, and Oli has really emphasised that a slow start will not suffice, like we need to come into this, especially when you consider the first seven games that we play, are against teams that are not considered like top, is it top five, six? Uh, uh, something like that. So I, I think we've got like Southampton, Newcastle, obviously we've got um, Leeds, um, uh, Villa and Everton. Um, so we've got some uh, games that are, re- you know, we could get three points and them three points give us that quick start and it puts pressure on the rest of the, the league. Um, but for my prediction, I, f- I just feel a, I feel like we're just going to win. I think 3-1. 3-1 United. You know, full full capacity Old Trafford. That place absolutely bouncing. Fitness. We've actually had a bit of a, you know, a pre-season. Plus, you think about the internationals that have been just before. I feel like it all plays into our hands a bit. And I just think, especially the English players, having such a good tournament in the Euros, they're going to be like on a high. Despite the fact they lost, I mean, no one wants to lose a final, but Having got there at Wembley and felt it all, and they've had to travel around the world doing it. They've just been in Wembley, Wembley way playing the games. I just feel like the buzz is still there, although we've probably already got over the being on the loss. I think the buzz of the Euros is still vibrating through the fans, especially as they return to the top, the the stadiums, and we fill the the gates. It's it's going to be an immense game. It really is, and. Regards to the result, it's just going to be electric. You know, the fun reaction between Leeds and United and the on-field reaction between Leeds and United, it's just going to be wild. And uh, I can just see it being a free-flowing game, almost like the way that Leeds started last season against Liverpool. But I think United are going to come out on top. I think it'll be 3-1. Um, so on to the expectations for the season. I think, obviously, this is Ollie's third full season now. And uh, every season we've seen progress. We've seen... He finished third. Now, obviously, we finished third as a bit of a result of a collapse between Leicester and Chelsea. And that helped United slip into that third position. Now, we'll take it all day, every day of the week. Champions League football back on the cards. Brilliant. Um, so, that was good. I wasn't expecting anything. It's his first season. I know, he, I know when he did the half season after Mourinho got sacked, United went on to some mad 14 run game run streak um, which was amazing but 
I wasn't expecting much from a full season of Oli. And we finished third. So we'll take that. Again, semi-finals have been the norm. Um, in the last season, we've gone one step again. We've gone into second. But we haven't just like slipped into second as a misfortune of the teams. We've basically held second position all season. We were at top of the table for two weeks, which everyone instantly got an ad on and thought, we're winning the league, this is it. But at the same time, it was a season that had Everton thinking they were going to win the league, Spurs thinking they were going to win the league, Liverpool thinking they were going to win the league. Ultimately, Man City won the league. We were 12 points behind Man City, but when you look at the fact that we had 11 draws, some of them could have been avoidable. I mean, you think about, we actually lost to Arsenal at home as well through a, a, a penalty, ironically. Um, and then, you know, the draw against Everton last minute, the draw against Leeds, the draw against Liverpool, just nil-nils and things like that. It could have been a different story. You know, if you only converted like three or four of them, we'll level on points. And it's a different season. So I don't think we're too far off. And again, not only did we finish second, more semi-finals and ultimately a final, which we lost. I think the final is a bit disappointing. The Once Maguire went down with five games to go, the complexion changed a bit at the back. We didn't feel as sturdy. We didn't look as sturdy. There wasn't as much confidence back there. And it just shows how much of a command that Maguire has. He gets a lot of stick. He gets a lot of stick for being maybe too quiet and maybe not being as commanding and dominant as some of the defenders are. But he's clearly had, he clearly has an effect in that team. Because as soon as you took him out, it was a completely different complexion. And the final against Villarreal, I mean, if how you can pepper a team that much and not win. And more to the point, go behind before you actually cut, you score your own goal. It was quite quite bizarre to watch, really. And I think after a while, it was just a case of we had nothing. There was a few games like that last season. There wasn't much going on. We had games where it was just bland and we just saw Fernandez just pinging balls about Pogba just doing a bit of this and that. And there was no creativity as such. It was just like, oh, well, we've tried this and it hasn't worked, so we'll just fuck about a bit. And there have been times during all his reign where it has been a bit dire to watch. I mean, you stick in there and you watch it because it's United, but it has been a bit, you know, can we not do something a bit different here? And Ollie alluded to the fact that he made subs so late in that Villarreal final, which he didn't make subs till like the extra time, which is a long period where he could have maybe influenced the game earlier. But again, he's emphasised that maybe he doesn't have the depth in squad to um, confidently make a substitution that he thinks will come on. Um that he thinks will come on and actually influence that game to the point where he's like, right, you are warm up, lad, you're going on, you could change the game. It's like if we, you know, again, if you had Vanister on the bench, right, bring you off, you're going to do this. You're, you're a guaranteed game winner. All you're going to solve Champions League final, you're a game winner. Teddy Sheringham, you're a game winner. I don't think he thinks he's got that. So I think this season's expectations for me is I think I'd love to finish, comfortably finish top four again. Obviously, we finished second last season, so I'd love us to go for a, a title charge this season. Even if we don't win the league, I'd love us to go for the league. And if we finish second or we finish third, but we give it a damn good go and we ran it down to maybe the last month of the season and we just fell off at the end, so be it. 
but we've actually pushed City to the end, or we've pushed Chelsea to the end. I actually fear Chelsea more than City this year. Um, but I think more importantly than anything is we need we need a trophy. Where even if it's the Carabao Cup, just a trophy to you know kickstart that um, the catalyst like that. Get the ball rolling, get it going, get that first bit of silverware under the under the manager's belt. Mate, he's got a win. He's got some confidence. The squad, which is assembled over the course of two, two and a half years, they've now got confidence and they're a unit. They're a cohesive unit and they've not changed overly too much in that period. So they'll all be in the same boat together uh, and they'll all feel it together. They'll all have been through it all together. So it's good um, that we get that first win because it could just be a, a snowball after that. You know, so I think... The minimum is a trophy, regardless of what it is. But I'd also like to see a serious title charge, and I think I'd be very happy with that. But I, I don't see us finishing outside the top four. I just don't. I think, obviously, City have got Grealish now, 100 million quid. Maybe get Kane. I mean, you could think that that's maybe the, the title over, but I just don't think it is. I actually fear Chelsea more than City, and I think that maybe it's going to be possibly Chelsea, then United, then City and Liverpool. But we don't know. The season, if it's anything like last year, bloody hell, it could be anything. But um, I'm at the Leeds game at the weekend. Got myself a lovely ticket. I actually don't know where it is. Got to get my missus to buy it on the uh, on the ticketing service because of how busy it was. I was at work and I had a quickly refreshing and trying to get into the queue and stuff. Um, surprise at the weekend. We'll um, see what happens there. But um, let's say 3-1 United, three points on the board, get this season rolling. Thanks for listening. I'll be back after the game at the weekend as a bit of a post-match review and we'll see how we got on. So I'll see you there. Come on, United.